Welcome to the Spiritual Life Management Podcast, where we help you bring balance in your life and live to your fullest potential with your host, Gretchen Smith. This is going to be a fun show today. If you are curious if there is life after death or if there is no death, we are going to get you some answers today because my guest is Maria Verdeshi. She is the best-selling author of There Is No Death, Only Life, and Maria is an acclaimed psychic medium, speaker, teacher, and coach with clients all over the world. Her extraordinary ability to communicate with spirit began at the age of four while living on Long Island. Now, Maria is well-known for her accuracy and her delivery of evidential messages from departed loved ones. Maria is the host of the spiritual podcast, Hello from the Other Side, and is co-host of the blog talk radio show, Reading the Signs. Her best-selling book, There Is No Death, Only Life, has an amazing foreword written by celebrity medium Thomas John, which you may know him as the seatbelt medium or from his Las Vegas show. Maria is also contributing author in the best-selling book, The Last Breath. Maria's successful coaching and mentorship program features classes on mediumship, connecting with your loved ones in spirit, meditation, and manifesting. In addition, she is a master Reiki practitioner, proficient in pranic healing. Her ability to connect with teachers, students, clients, guides, and departed loved ones is nothing short of astonishing. Most important to Maria is that people understand the simple truth that there is no death, only life. Welcome to the show, Maria. Hi, Gretchen. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I am so excited to have you on the show. And it's really funny how spirit and the universe all works. Because I was just speaking to my mother a few weeks ago about there is no death, only life. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I receive a, a message, an email from Angel, and she was introducing you to me. And I read the title of your book, and I just about fell over. Oh, wow. I love that too, though. Yeah, yes. So this message is really important to me today to share with people out there that are listening. I think it's a time right now where unfortunately, a lot of us are experiencing loss. And I know that you can help us. Let's just jump right into it. So you started having amazing gifts at the age of four. Yeah, so um, we used to live on Long Island, and my room in that house was just filled with spirits. And I can remember going, like, I can remember like it was yesterday, you know, those things when you're a kid and you're like, God, that was just yesterday, and you can just see all the details. And I went in their room and I said, can you tell the people in my room to quiet down? There's, there's people in there. And so they humored me the first time. And Maria, there's no one in here. They looked under the bed and in the closet. And then they left. And the next night, when I went in their room again and said, nope, they're still in there. Then I was yelled at. Go to bed. Go to sleep. Don't come back in here. So at that age of four, I realized that not everybody could hear these things or see things or feel them. That I'll tell you, I kept my mouth shut until I was much older, much, much older. Mm -hmm. And were you still getting the messages, but you just didn't say anything? 
Yeah, when we lived on Long Island, I did. I could always, I was that kid that ran from her bed, her, from the door to the bed, because I could feel everything in that room. I could feel it. Right. And at the time, I just didn't know what it was. Um, and when I, I was the kid that was outside, would talk to everything because I could just, I talked to the animals. I would, I connected with things. Then the family, my dad was afraid he was going to lose his job. He worked for Grumman and for NASA. Uh-huh. And so then we ended up moving to Michigan. And the whole family was kind of shut down when we moved to Michigan that I really blocked things out. Plus, I had this Long Island accent. I moved to Michigan and I'm already, you know, singled out for that. That there was just, I shut everything down until, I mean, my friends in high school, no one knew. No one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so at what point did you decide that you were going to tap into these gifts and start using them in the, the manner that you are now? Um, gosh, it was much later. And then I started taking classes. And I just kind of started going. I always tell people to follow their gut. Their gut's never wrong. Well, I started listening to those little gut things going, huh, well, this must be something. And things always worked out better when I followed my gut. It was that little tap on the shoulder, that little voice I would listen then when I would be stubborn and say, mm, nope, I'm going to do it my way, and things would go sideways. So wow. it probably was like, um, gosh, at the age of 30, when I started opening the door a little more and started listening more, not talking about it, though. I didn't right. talk about it. I just I opened the door more at that time. Right. And now the door is wide open. Yes. <laughs> and yes, it, has it been is. For a while. <laughs> it has been. And so, and I always take, I take classes, I do mentorships because I feel like I've got this gift that is anybody that's a medium knows your gift is always changing. Whether it's how you receive messages or, I mean, there's, there's different aspects to it that it's always changing. It's always evolving. And whenever I'm coaching somebody, I always kind of say, and you better be ready to change with it. It's not a scary thing. Just have a sense of humor with it and go with it. So I, I take classes. I do mentorships with other people. Um, like I'm doing one with Thomas John now. So, because I always want to give those messages at the highest frequency possible. And I always want to do the best that I can do with it. I love that. So what prompted you to write the book, There Is No Death, Only Life? So in 2009, well, I think it started in 2008, my um, mother had cancer. She beat it. She went through chemo and everything. But then in 2009, it came back and she was very much in denial. So I, I can remember she was, she was in the hospital. It was like February of 2008. 
and or 2009. And I remember talking to the doctor saying, okay, did the cancer come back? And he said, no. But then a month later, she was back in the hospital and I called and I talked to the nurses and I said, if this was your mom, would you come now to visit? Because my mom just wasn't being honest with me with what was going on. Mm-hmm. And the nurse kind of paused and said, yeah. And right then and there, I had that gut feeling of, oh, this is not good. Booked my flight that day, but I even talked to my mom afterwards and said, what's going on? Did the cancer come back? No, no, it didn't. I'm just not feeling good. I'm just in the hospital. I'm not feeling good. I'm like, okay. Went to the hospital, went right up to the doctor. What's going on? The cancer came back. She has 10 days. Wow. 10 days going from my mother saying, no, I'm going to be fine. Right. Didn't come back to she has 10 days. And my mother and I were very close. We're still very close, um, but very close. And to the point where I looked at the doctor and I said, does she know? And he looked at me like I was nuts. And he said, yes. And I said, does my father know? And I said, because they are in total denial right now of anything that's going on. So I was also told, don't discuss it. So here I am. Oh, yeah. The doctor told you that? Okay. Don't don't discuss it with her. Don't. And I thought, you know what? This is my mom's process. And this is what she needs to do. And that would be selfish of me to say, well, no, she needs to talk about it. That Mm -hmm. I thought, this isn't my process. This is hers. And I'm going to honor the way that she needs to do it. And I did. I didn't talk about it. I made sure that she had the best care. I got her home the next day because I knew she didn't want to be there. So I set everything up for her to have the best, you know, the comfort and the scenery that she would want. I set things up for her that way. To Uh honor this process of how she wanted to go through it. But the whole time I was thinking, I need to write a book about this. I need to write a book. I don't want people to be afraid of death. Right. And that's how I got the whole, my mother is the inspiration behind the book. Well, it's beautiful. And I'm so happy you wrote this book because I think there is a lot of fear or misunderstanding about death and dying and a lot of struggling with the grieving process as well. Yes, Um, definitely, definitely. Where at times I'll hear people say, you know, nope, I just couldn't tell them it was okay to go. And then their loved one will wait until they leave the room then when they use the bathroom and then they take their exit. And I'll pick up on that in a reading and all of a sudden I'll go, oh, they exited when you left the room, didn't they? Oh my gosh, how did you know that? Because your dad's telling me or your mom's telling me. Yeah, we can make this whole process easier for our loved ones. Mm -hmm. It's just... um, sometimes we find it too difficult because we are so connected to that person. Right. So I want to go back to what you just commented on. Um, I would assume some loved ones are waiting until their loved one arrives or a person of importance in their life arrives. And then others might be actually not wanting to depart until they leave, as you stated. 
Mm-hmm. Is that yes. correct? So it can kind of go both ways. It can go both ways. It can. Um, it also I've picked up on readings where the person was sitting in the room the entire time, holding their hand, letting them know it was okay, and they helped their loved one cross over. And when you say they help their loved one cross over, is it simply just by telling them that it's okay to go? Yes. And, but by not just saying it, by really meaning it and really meaning it with love Mm -hmm. and just telling them it's okay, you're going to be okay, you're safe, it's all right. And I've, because I've also picked up on that where, oh my gosh, your dad or your mom or your loved one is thanking you for helping them go through this process with so much love you helped them cross over. Ah, That's beautiful. Now, once they cross over, how soon can a person do a reading on them? So it can be immediate. I've done readings where I've had a client contact me because um, it was a grandma. Their grandma hadn't quite passed yet, but they knew it was going to be that day. You know, and this, most of this was done through texting, believe it or not where the grandma in this coma state was shooting off different memories to me. I was texting these memories to the granddaughter and she was validating them. And then when the grandma was crossing over, I also texted saying, you know, I believe she's crossing over right now because that's how she's making me feel. And the granddaughter validated it. So is there an exact time of whether it's too soon? I, I don't think so. I I, I just okay. don't from the things that I have done. I don't think so. I'm so glad you clarified that or at least gave your opinion on that because, I mean, I know I had a reading. It was for me. And so here I am just, you know, so excited for my loved one or somebody to come through for me. And I'm being told that it's a male and it feels like he was shot in the heart and shot maybe several times. And sure enough, my husband's best friend had just been brutally killed. And it was maybe like a week and a half before the process of the reading. So um, I thought, wow, that was really soon because I had heard that possibly, you know, they have to go through a life review and it may be a while before you can get a reading, but it sounds like, and I believe what you're saying that you, I know you're an excellent medium and you can connect with them and almost follow them through the process. Yeah. I don't think that there is a waiting time. I think that you can connect with them right away. Now, it can also be where the sitter, who is the person getting the reading, might be a little shut down to connect with someone. Now, can that affect a reading? Heck yeah. If someone's really shut down, I always say, you know, just make, just make sure if you're giving a gift to someone like a reading, make sure that they want it. Um, because believe it or not, I've had it a couple times where the person didn't really want it as a gift and they were so shut down. It was really hard to get information. Plus I just felt like kind of like, um, 
violating their privacy in some way because it really wasn't what they wanted. Where I can remember for one of them stopping and going, you don't really want this, do you? And they were like, no, I don't. Right. So the sitter can absolutely shut down a reading. Absolutely. Right. So I know a lot of people are, I shouldn't say a lot, but you get a sitter in that type of a situation where they're not comfortable or they may not really want the reading. I'm assuming that they're scared or they're hesitant to get information from someone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and, and what I'll do too is I always, in the very beginning, I explain to people how I do a reading. I always try to make everybody feel really comfortable. I'll make them laugh because when we laugh, we are operating at the highest vibration, the highest energy. It's that laughter, the joy, the happiness. So I am always getting my sitter laughing because I want to raise their energy. I want to raise their vibration. That's great. Okay. So I want to jump back to the coma situation because I have a question regarding people that are in comas, if you were to connect with them and we don't know if we should be keeping them alive per se for our own reasons, would you be able to connect with them and would they be able to tell you it's time for me to go? Absolutely. So I have a, um, a good friend whose aunt mm -hmm. ended up in a coma. So she went to the aunt's house to pick her up for a party and she wasn't answering the door. And so she, she knew where the key was and everything got in there, found her aunt, you know, called the ambulance. Um, and two weeks prior to this, the aunt had said, listen, I don't want any ventilators or anything like that. Just if it's time, just, I don't want to be hooked up to anything. So keep that in mind. Right. And so she sends me a text and it's probably, I think like three days after or something that this all went down. And she said, Maria, this is my, my aunt's in the hospital. She's on a ventilator. The doctors are saying if she gets off the ventilator, chances are she will not be able to speak. Her quality of life will be nothing. She will pretty much be a vegetable. Right. And can you connect with her? Because this is kind of on my shoulders right now. I don't believe she had told me about the two weeks prior, what the aunt had said, which I was very grateful. I don't like too much information because it gets in the way. And I always tell my sitters that do not give me all this information. I, I argue with your loved ones enough in spirit. So. <laughs> And I connected with her aunt and I said, no, don't do anything. She doesn't know what she wants to do. She's kind of in between worlds right now. And she doesn't know if she wants to stay or go. Um, and I said, and there must've been some kind of talk recently because she keeps saying, I didn't know it was going to be this quick. I didn't know it was going to be this soon. Don't touch anything. So the way her aunt was making me feel made me feel that there was a conversation that happened. And of course, she validated that. Uh -huh. And I said, do not touch anything. And she said, okay. So she went back to the doctor and she said, I'm not touching anything yet. And then she came back to me the next day and said, okay, Maria, what are you getting? 
And I said, still don't touch anything. And I said, but I want to let you know, if she does come out of this, she's going to be just fine because she's letting me know that she'll be just fine. Again, luckily, she did not tell me anything that the doctor said, you know, at that time. And I'm like, she'll be fine. So then the next day I said, she's going to be coming out of this. She's decided to stay. It's going to be in the next couple of days. And she's going to be just fine. She will be just fine. So in a couple of days, she came out of it. Oh, I think the first words out of her mouth were, I'm hungry. Um, she was driving a car. Every She was perfectly fine. Wow. Perfectly fine. And this was, oh my gosh, time goes so fast. But this might have been 10 years ago or eight years ago, and she's still living. Um, so had she done what the doctor wanted, that like that would have been horrible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I'm just glad that her aunt was so loud and clear with what her wishes were. Um, so you absolutely can connect with someone that's in a coma. You absolutely can. Wow. That's fascinating. I've actually never heard of this before. So I'm so happy we're talking about it right now. And we've actually had this situation in our family. The person stayed in a, in a coma state for a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course, it's just one of those tragic situations where you don't know what the right thing to do is. And you, if you choose to make a decision to take them off the ventilator or whatever the situation is, then the person may be riddled with guilt as well. And that's not what we want. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So tell me about how working with you, um, because I'm sure you've had these experiences where it's really helped put closure in place or helped with the grieving process. Oh my gosh, so many times that, uh, and I always, I, I don't take like what I do for granted. And like I had said before, I always work at the highest level that I can because remember, I'm human. Right. That includes like my lifestyle and the way I live and the way I do things. I always want the best connection that I can get to. So with um, closure, I can give you a few examples. And they're with kids that have passed or um, ones that have passed like before their time, mm -hmm. where I had one recently and it was a mom and a dad and the son came through. And all of a sudden, like he wanted to take me through his day. And I said, listen, I've got this mail and I'm starting my day off where I'm waking up. And you know what? Gosh, darn it. It's a good day. The sun's shining. I'm going about my day. I've got a really good attitude and it's a good day. Like the things coming out of my mouth are always that person that I'm connecting with. Uh -huh. And I really try to spit out what I'm seeing, hearing and feeling. So what I validated for these parents, and, and he, had, he had been really doing well with staying on the right path because he was someone that abused drugs and alcohol. And 
I had validated for them because then it's like I'm going through my day, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm getting ready, and I just want to take the edge off, which made me start feeling that he took something. Mm-hmm. And the parents validated it. And he's like, I just wanted to take the edge off. That's all. I just want to take the edge off. And I validated how quick it was also because the son that I was picking up on was angry about this happening because it's like one minute I'm here, the next second I'm not. Like this was a very quick passing where he could see his body on the floor and the parents validated that too. And I said to them, I said, in no way, shape or form was this an overdose. He did not mean to do this. He was really straightening his life out. And you know what? He was having a good day. He kept telling me he was having a good day. He just needed to take the edge off, but he was having a good day. And I said, and I also want to tell you, I feel like whatever he took was laced with something and he had no idea. He had no idea. And the parents validated it. They were very grateful because other people were trying to tell them that it was suicide. And I'm like, I I can 500% tell you this was not suicide. He was angry that this happened. So it helped them because it, in their hearts, they didn't feel it was suicide. And it helped validate that for them, that it wasn't suicide. Um, With another one, it was a son. And I kept picking up on this accident. And I said, he was in a car. And I said, and someone else was in the car with him. And I said, I feel like that person is responsible. The other person that was in the car was responsible. But I feel like that there was some kind of cover up or something, and I'm not sure what this is about. And so, with just me saying that, I helped validate so much that the mom already had gut feelings on. And I Mm -hmm. said, But your son's also letting me know that these things, um, it would be very hard to prove and it would be very costly. And I feel like the people that you would be going against are extremely wealthy and they have the means to make this whole thing go away. So what had happened was her son was the passenger in a car with his friend, the friend. Oh, and I also was feeling the seatbelt was on. I said his seatbelt was on, but I'm feeling like the friend undid his seatbelt, but then that was it. He got himself out of this car, but wasn't very helpful. And then I want to say, after this accident, there was a time lapse. And I'm not sure what happened during this time lapse, but there was a time lapse before anything was done. So the friend was driving the car. He had been drinking. It went into this little um, like lake that was on the property. And he undid his friend's seatbelt to try to make it look like he was the one that was driving. He left his friend to die while he got himself out, went and took a shower, and then called 911. 
Oh my goodness. So I validated the whole thing for the mother. So she knew it was her son telling me because there was no way, shape or form that I would know any of that stuff. Absolutely. And I also validated for her, it is okay. Do not pursue this anymore. You will not be able to afford it and it will drain everything and there will still be nothing that will come of it. Right. Yeah. I can definitely see where that might put closure on it. Exactly. Because if it's your son, if it's your child, in your mind, it's, I'm going to do everything I can. Right. But her son was there saying, please don't. It's done. I'm okay. Please don't do anything else. I want you guys to have money. Please do not do this. Right. And so she didn't, and it brought a lot of closure for her. Wow. Those are two powerful stories, and I really thank you for sharing those. You know, you can definitely see how that could bring closure. And I'm sure there's also experiences where you've read for someone and maybe a parent has come through where they may not have had a great relationship and there's a lot of apologies or, you know, just pure unconditional love coming through from the other side. I had that for, gosh, this was a few years ago also. She was um, a 90-year-old woman, and her parents were not the best. Right. And through this reading and through things, again, there was no way that I would know these things, that the parents were coming through, and they were apologizing, and she was able to have so much closure at 90 years old so much closure. Yes. And carrying that with you for so many years and then finally being able to have that closure is so just so healing, even at that age. Yes. And yeah. and of course, I've had people that were younger that have been able to have that closure also. Also, you've got to be open to kind of letting go of the anger because I've also had it where Someone will come through and with their apologies and with what they've done, but the person is still holding on to the anger and isn't ready to let it go yet. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's okay. We're all human. And however we have to go through the process, it's an important thing to, though, at some point in time in your life to let go of the anger because it doesn't hurt them. They're gone. Right. It doesn't hurt them at all. It hurts us. And how does it help hurt us? It goes to our health and it starts eating away at your health. And it might be that's what caused the cancer or that's what caused your all of your back problems because you're you were carrying all of this anger for so long right. and you just didn't want to let go of it. Yes. So since we're kind of on the topic of people that may have crossed over, that may have done harm or not led such a wonderful lifestyle, does everybody cross over and is are they able to communicate or do some people go somewhere else? So I've always seen it as there is no hell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more like these different levels. I'm almost going to say like, um, I'll refer to them as stairs. So there's these different levels that they go on and absolutely there's this life review that goes on and there are these little aha moments and oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that or I acted that way 
or I made my loved one feel that way. There's definitely that that goes on. And sometimes when one comes in, I'll know that they weren't the best because they will be more in the corner. And I'll say to the sitter, I've got your father or your mother, and they're just kind of in the corner being silent. And they are carrying a lot of shame because I can feel it. I can feel the shame that they're carrying. And the sitter will say, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Sometimes they'll come right out and start saying what they did and how they shouldn't have done that and how they made their loved one feel when they were doing this. And the apologies will come out. Right. A lot of people ask me, do you see hell? It's always going to be a no. And even at the age of four, when the priest, I was brought up Catholic, when the (laughs) priest would be talking about hell in church, I was that four-year-old sitting there going, yeah, he's wrong. There's not a hell. He's wrong. Yeah, I love that. I honestly didn't believe that there was a hell either, but I know that because of a lot of the religious upbringings that, you know, they're brought up God-fearing and you're going to hell and this, that, and the other thing. But I love your analogy of the steps. I mean, that's so easy to relate to. And it's also wonderful to know that everybody, you know, for the most part, everybody crosses over. There's still some spirits that are stuck here on earth though, correct? Well, so uh, how do I want to address that? (laughs) Sorry. I feel that, so if I'm doing, I'll bring up a house clearing. So if I'm doing a house clearing right away, you know, oh my gosh, I think I have a demon in my house. And I'm right away, okay, how many movies have you watched? Because I feel that we um, really put a lot of glamour around it. And, and these are just my thoughts with it. Sure. That with some things, we put a lot of glamour around. Will I pick up on spirits? Like, absolutely. In different places. I love going on haunted vacations and doing that stuff. And absolutely, I will pick up on things. Do I feel that there are some things that are a little evil in some places? Absolutely. And I don't go to those places. Also, there is the energy. So there is that energy of what one might think is a spirit is really this this energy that kind of cycles around and we're picking up on the energy of the spirit. Mm. And I feel like at, at some of the locations where it's like the haunted locations and maybe a particular spirit has been brought up a lot. You know, oh, Sally, she committed suicide on the third floor and and for 50 years Sally has been talked about. So you're you're keeping that energy really alive about her and what she did, what kind of person she was that kind of thing. So uh, there is a lot to do with energy, a lot to do with energy. That makes a lot of sense, Maria. Yeah. I have a question for you on reincarnation. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a believer in reincarnation. I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm curious if you are a believer in reincarnation, will someone not come through if they've been reincarnated? I'm a definite believer in reincarnation. 
nope, they'll still come through because on that soul level, we can be anywhere at any time, anywhere. Yes. Yeah. And I believe that with um, past lives too, the past lives that we have, because it's still the same soul that we're coming, that same soul is coming back. It's just we're coming back as a different person, you know, this different life. Right. That's why we'll have that kind of like deja vu things that go, gosh, this seems really familiar. Right. Because, or the people seem familiar. Well, heck yeah, that person was in your past life. That person might have been your father past life or your mother or your aunt. That's why they're so familiar. Might have been a husband. Right. So I I definitely, definitely believe in past lives. Oh, and that's why also, like, I always had this fear of the crossing over bridges over water. And I, in my head, would go, okay, I can get my kids out this way. And it was even before I had kids. Always in my mind was, how was I going to escape? And I knew it was a past life thing. I knew I had drowned. I knew it was going over a bridge somehow. And I had a past life regression, and that came up in the past life regression, how I went over a bridge and drowned. Wow. Yeah. I love those stories. They're so fascinating to me. And it makes so much sense once you get that information. Yes. Yes. And it can clear up some things for you too. So do I still have a little bit of anxiety going over bridges with water? Yes, but not like it was. Not like it was. It just kind of like, I guess I just needed it validated, even though I already knew it was. Having that validated just eased it a little bit. Right. Helps us move on a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So here's a biggie for you. Do pets come through for you? Oh my gosh. Yes, they do. Um, and I love it when the pets come through. I'll give you a couple examples. I had one where um, all of a sudden I kind of stopped and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I've got this pig and this pig has babies. And I said, but hold on, I've got this horse over here too. It was just like this little um, fun thing with all these animals, but like all these different animals and like the pig with the babies. I'm like, okay, I just want to tell you this pig with the babies keeps saying thank you. And the horse, you really made a difference in the horse's life, especially at the end. So I want to say that. She was someone that worked for PETA. And when I was telling her about these animals coming through, I didn't know. And she started laughing and she goes, I worked for PETA. And that pig, I helped her with the babies and everything. And of course, you know, since then, the the pig had passed. Um, The horse she helped at the end of its life. So do animals come through? Heck yeah. And I'll have it too where a loved one, I had it, um, that grandmother that I was talking about earlier, and I love this too because I don't really remember readings, but as I'm telling stories, it's like they'll kind of spark my memory for it too. Uh So I love that because that energy line went back to that grandmother. When the grandmother crossed over, 
I said, why am I seeing a yellow parakeet? I said, it's this yellow bird. Your grandma's got this yellow bird. Well, her mother, so it was the grandmother and this woman's mother had a yellow parakeet growing up. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. So animals, they do. And it is most of the time very much a closing also for the person to know that their pet is safe. Right. Their pet is safe. Because they they usually will come through with some characteristic or something that's going to say, hey, it's me. It's me. And it's always a loved one has the animal. A loved one has the animal and is taking care of the animal. That's like with a dog, cat, or bird that was like our animals. And it can be with like a horse if that was like your And this is just how like I picked up on it. There's always a family member on the other side that has the animals. Yeah. I mean, we care so much about our animals. And then, of course, sometimes we have to make those hard decisions to have them put down. And that can be really difficult to contend with. Absolutely. And the did I do the right thing? Because I've had, I know with a dog, because that's the one that's sparking my memory right now, a dog. And it wasn't that long before she had the reading. Then she had to make that decision for the end of life for the dog. And I said, you know, I've got this dog here and I feel like this is something recent. And I feel like that this was actually a decision and not an easy decision that you had to make. This was not a dog that just passed in its sleep or got hit by a car or anything like that. You had to make the decision. And he keeps telling me you made the right decision. He was in a lot of pain and he's thanking you. So again, all things that I wouldn't know. And it's because that sitter needed to hear this. Like that was the most important thing in the reading for her. Right. I can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how do our loved ones try to communicate with us on a daily basis? So a lot of times it's those little gut things that we have when we feel like we're being pulled to do something or pulled not to do something where we sit there and go, huh, I feel like I'm supposed to do this, but I don't know why. And then you might start having a conversation in your head, but the conversation, it's actually going back and forth where it's being answered. It's this full-blown conversation, but you might sit there and go, all right, that's crazy. I need to stop talking to myself. But then later on, that conversation's going to come back because spirit repeats. I call it a broken a broken record, and that's how I always know it's spirit giving me a message because they don't stop. They don't stop. They might give it a little bit of a different way, but they don't stop when they're trying to tell you something. And then it might be you're, you kind of blow it off, but then At night, you're like, why is this still going off in my head? This conversation, I need to just stop this. No, that is your loved one talking to you, trying to get you to do something because all they want, they want to make our life easier. They want to save us time. They want to save us money. So they're always going to try to push us in the direction that will be most helpful for us. 
Uh, and, I love that. Yeah, and they do. So, and then that's where the signs come in too. They'll throw a sign in there saying, oh my gosh, you really need to listen right now. And it's me. And here, I'm going to, you know, throw down a dime for you to see or something that your gut goes, oh my gosh, that's dad. That's dad. And and either you get the chills or you just get this knowing of that that's dad giving you that sign. And then all of a sudden it's, huh, is he trying to tell me something? And then you might start listening. Right. I love that. And that just kind of circles back to um, that they're basically, they're still living, right? That circles back to the title of your book, basically. They never really leave us. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I always get people, you know, I don't want to bother them. I have never, ever, ever had anybody in spirit go, Maria, you're really bothering us. Can can you not do this? You are bot never, never have and they have never ever made me feel that way. And again, they can be at all places anytime. So they can be doing their work on the other side. They can be with you, they can be with your brother, they can be with your dad, your sister, your cousin, all places at once. So you are never bothering them. You know, your loved ones love it when you connect with them because they want to help. They want to help. And so what kind of things can they help us with? Oh my gosh, they can help us with anything. So my mother, of course, is a huge guide for me on the other side. And I get messages from her. I listen. So probably like four years ago, I was um, up north and um, I do a lot of group readings up there and a lot of readings. And the client that I usually stay with, she was getting her floors done. So I had another client say, Maria, stay at my house. I'm going to go away for the weekend. Just come stay at my house. You can do your readings there and it will be nice and quiet and you'll love it. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's perfect. Thank you. So I got there during the day and it's really, it's all surrounded by trees and it's magical and beautiful. And I kind of start unloading the car, but I get sidetracked and it's 1130 at night. And I think, oh my gosh, I, I need to finish unloading the car. I want to be all set for tomorrow. And I hear my mom say, but what about the bear? And I stopped and I said, huh, nah, that just must be my thoughts. Because ah, I can be stubborn. I, I can on occasion be stubborn. And I said, no, I really want to be ready for tomorrow. So I'm going to go unpack the car. And I'm walking towards the door and I hear her again. That's all good. But what are you going to do about that bear out there? So I stop and I say, thanks, mom. I love you, and I will empty out the car tomorrow. Thank you so much for the heads up. Second client in. Did Juliet warn you about the bear that lives on her property, and he comes out at night? And if you don't have to go out at night, don't. But if you do, you better make a lot of noise. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So how can they help us? They can help us with everything everything. I mean, that is just one story of 
hundreds that I have. Right. Okay. Well, that's great to know because I I call on my loved ones. I call on my I, my spirit team or my loved ones or, you know, I refer to them in many different ways, mm-hmm. but I think they're all basically, you know, like as one, like a team. And I'll ask them to help me with all kinds of things, but I really didn't know what they have the ability to do. I've also called on them to work with another person's team to help that person. I don't know where I got the idea to do that, but I have an intuition that tells me that that works. Uh, It does. It does. So, and it can have the ability to pull things in faster. Oh, awesome. That's wonderful. And is that what you noticed with it? Yes. Yes. Especially if it has to do with someone's health. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's generally when I do it the most, I'll call upon someone else's, I'll call on my team to work with another person's team for usually health related reasons. Because the other person's team has a lot of um, healing members in their team, a lot of healing energy and healing members that it, and that's how it gets it, the job done a little quicker. Thank you so much for validating that. That's very helpful. That can also happen too, like if you want to manifest something bigger mm-hmm. and let's say you've got a friend and I, I just recently did this where another medium and I um, purchased a house in Lilydale. So Lilydale is that community of mediums. Um, it's the oldest community of mediums. And it's in New York. And we decided, oh my gosh, for business, like let's get a house here for business. Cause now we're teaching classes there. I've done book signings there, but it's a quite a process to buy a house there, like a really big process. Mm-hmm. So I knew what house it was going to be. So that's the house we were pulling in. And I also knew that it wasn't going to take long. Like this is a process that should take a year and a half and we got the job done in three months. Wow. That's awesome. But you also have to watch it. So when you're manifesting with someone else, it's really watch your thoughts. Again, my mom helped me on this one and we're all human. So we all do these little things without meaning to, but I'm really good at pushing people through also with what needs to be done. So Mm -hmm. she got pushed through the process of with some of the things where with one of the things I didn't, I, I kind of got held up and my thoughts went to, well, that sucks. What's going on? Again, we're human. I heard my mom immediately in my ear go, stop that. I'll tell you what, it jolted me where I immediately went, oh my God, what am I doing? I do not want to ruin this for us. What am I doing? I immediately realigned my thoughts and did a whole adjustment on myself where then it was a, okay, I'm good. And I'm so happy where I could honestly say, I'm so happy she got pushed through. That's what was needed. And when we started this whole process, I said, however this is going to happen, it's going to happen. 
So that's a little thing too on not being too hard on yourself because we are all human. But when you realize what's happening, it's to do an immediate adjustment on yourself. Right. Which I immediately did within, I mean, that whole thing was like a three second event that happened and I immediately adjusted my thoughts, my emotions, my energy. I did a whole adjustment. That's awesome. Oh, and congratulations on the home. Thank you. Yeah, Thank that's you. exciting. So just to clarify, you are a psychic medium. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, expand on that for the audience so that they understand the difference? And do you do readings that are both psychic and um, through a mediumship? Yeah. And for me, it's just the psychic and the mediumship, like in a reading. I know people will say, oh, here, I can do just a psychic reading or I can just do a mediumship reading. It really intertwines with me that I don't offer just a psychic reading or just a mediumship reading because for me, that energy just kind of intertwines. But mediumship is I am connecting with your loved ones on the other side. Mm -hmm. That is mediumship. Uh, And I am bringing in those little validating things that say, hey, I'm mom. Hey, I'm dad. You know, because they're they're giving me that. On the psychic level, that is like future things. Things, um, you might have a health question for me or a real estate deal that you're going through. Something like that. That's on the um, psychic level of that. Um, but I, I do not give lottery numbers. I do not get lottery numbers. So I'm just, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to say that too. All righty. Oh my goodness. It has been so much fun to have you on the show today. Um, do you have any future events or anything coming up that, uh, the listeners may want to engage in with you other than getting a psychic medium session or anything along those lines? So I'm I'm always doing some um, different events, and my um, website is mariaverdeshi.com. I I know I've got like a a manifesting class in the fall with Thomas John, and Thomas John and I are also doing a gallery event, and that's like later in the year, but that's on my website. You can sign up for that. I also do smaller groups of like eight people. I try to do them once a month and they always are sold out, but it is, um, it's a way to get some messages from your loved one and people really enjoy it. And then of course you can book your readings. I also do mediumship classes and I'm going to have an advanced mediumship class. It's going to be towards the end of the year. And I'm also teaching a class with Michelle Barr in Lilydale. It's going to be a three day class on, um, mediumship, connecting with your loved one. Like we're going to put different things in there, manifesting. So it's really going to be a three-day workshop in Lilydale, which is amazing and fun. We, we have fun with it when we teach it. So I, I do always have different things going on and they're always on my website. So sign up for my mailing and then you'll get that too. I'll keep you up to date on everything. 
Wonderful. And we will definitely have the website and this information down in the show notes for all of the listeners. And is there a way that we can also connect with you on social media? I am on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on TikTok. So absolutely. Yes. Wonderful. I'll put that in the show notes as well. And then don't forget about your lovely book, There Is No Death, Only Life. So I just, I'm just so grateful to have you on the show today. And I thank you so much for sharing all this wonderful information. I hope it puts some of our listeners at ease or maybe spikes some interest in learning more about mediumship. And Gretchen, thank you so much for having me on. I really had fun today. And thank you. And yeah, that I feel like that is part of my mission in life is to just let people know it's not a scary thing. Heck, you're going to be coming back. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it's it's not a scary thing. And thank you, Gretchen. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's show with Maria Verdeschi. She is absolutely amazing. My whole purpose of having this particular episode was to hopefully give you a little more comfort, a little more insight, maybe a little excitement, and just really just put you at ease with what happens during the death process and life after death. So if you want to connect with Maria, again, all of her information will be down in the show notes. And if you're interested in connecting with me, your host, Gretchen Smith, I also have my information down in the show notes. You can reach out to me at GretchenSmithCoaching at gmail.com. You can also reach me where I hang out on Instagram at GretchenSmithCoaching. And I just want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in today and hanging out with us for a little bit. Closing out the episode today, we have lovely music by Basil Bibichan. And he just does the most wonderful neoclassical symphonic music for meditation, elevating, levitating, inspiring messages as well. And this is the music you're listening to now, so I hope you enjoy and check him out. You can find his music at Basil babychan.com that's b-a-s-i-l baby b-a-b-y-c-h-a-n.com and i will have a link to his music in the show notes thank you so much and have a wonderful day namaste and if you found value in this episode or you think someone else may enjoy it don't forget you can share you can like and you can subscribe so you get notified of future podcast episodes Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and namaste.